Hello and welcome back to another episode of Positively Plus Size. I am your host, Melissa Torres, bringing you all the positive vibes while living my best life. On this week's episode, we are going to dissect and break down La Cancion Que Shakira Grabó Con Bizarrap, Llamada Sesión 53. We are also going to take a deep dive into betrayal and how it never comes from an enemy. Let's get into it. It has been approximately one week since Shakira dropped her latest single with Bizarrap called Music Session Number 53. I actually came across the song as I was strolling on TikTok. I kept seeing little bits and pieces of the music video that accompanies the song. When I heard the lyrics, I immediately knew what and whom she was referring to, and I was so here for it. For those of you that don't know, which if you don't know, you must be living under a rock. In June of 22, Shakira and her soon-to-be ex-husband announced their separation. And this is a separation that is coming off of 12 years. It very much took the world by storm because if there was hope for any relationship, it would have been the relationship between Shakira and Gerard Pique. However, not everything is forever in her case and they did announce that separation. Shakira and Gerard actually remained relatively quiet regarding the whole ordeal. They released a joint statement and requested privacy for their two children. But you know how rumors go. The blog started posting rumors about a supposed infidelity on the part of Pique, but we didn't know much more than the rumors. In the fall of 22, she released the song Monotonia, which described her angst and her pain as her relationship reached its end. Now, in that music video, gosh, my heart just went out for her and her heart literally went out for her. If you've seen the music video, she depicts herself being shot in the chest and then she is walking through the streets holding her heart. That was just so impactful for me because I've been there. I know a lot of you listening have been there. We all have had our hearts ripped out of our chest at one point or another. But to see Shakira so publicly express that detail about her relationship, I felt for her. I truly did. However, I digress. Going back to music session number 53, as I mentioned, I heard the lyrics, knew who and what she was referring to. So I hopped on Spotify and listened to the song for the first time. And let me tell y'all, I was mind blown times a million. I was just so impressed with the work that went into this song. Before I continue, let me just say that I have been a lifelong Shakira fan. Some of my favorite songs from hers are Ciega Sordo Muda, um, Ojos Así. In 2001, when she released her English album, Laundry Service, I was absolutely obsessed. It actually came out the fall of 2001 when I was in my senior year of high school. I was absolutely obsessed with that album. I had the CD. Oh gosh, I just revealed how old I am. Yes, CDs were still a thing when I was in high school. We didn't have streaming music services like Spotify, Apple Music, etc. But I literally wore that CD out. I had every single song memorized. After that time, Shakira became really mainstream. 
She released other songs that she is extremely known for. Uh, Hips Don't Lie, La Tortura. She did a song with Carlos Santana. And of course, she is known for the Waka Waka song, which if I'm going to be honest and transparent, I actually hate that song. It is the most annoying thing to me, but that's not the point. Getting back to the song, music session number 53. I heard the mu- I heard the song a first time. I heard it a second time. I heard it a third time. I really made it a point to listen to the lyrics of this song because I knew for a fact that this was Shakira pouring her heart out. It's well known that Shakira is extremely intelligent. Not only does she have an extremely high IQ, she also speaks, I want to say around six languages. I can safely say she is a musical genius and that is reflected in the lyrics of this song. And in the way she uses Gerard Pique's name and his lover, mistress, amante, whatever you want to call her. She uses her name in the song too, but the way she did it was just mwah, chef's kiss. One of the lyrics that caught my attention was in the beginning of the song. She writes, Tanto que las das de campeón y cuando te necesitaba, diste tu peor versión. Referencing the fact that he is a world-renowned footballista who is a champion, but when she needed him, he showed her the worst version of himself. As a wife, as a mother, I can totally relate to that, and I sympathized with her. She goes on to sing, Sorry, baby, hace rato que yo debí botar ese gato. She's known for a minute that she needed to get rid of him. However, she didn't. She stuck it out for 12 years. And as a mom, I can totally understand that. It is extremely hard to walk away from a relationship when children are involved. Children grow accustomed to certain things. And it's not necessarily fair to expect them to adapt to the problems of the adults that are in charge with their care. I imagine she knew for a while that the relationship wasn't working. But being that she has two young sons, I'm sure she did not have any sort of desire to come between the relationship of her sons and their father. She goes on and writes this lyric, which absolutely got me hyped up. Una loba como yo no está patipos como tú. That is, first of all, it's a reference to her song, She Wolf, which we all know that song. Absolutely amazing. But this was her way of telling him, I am too much for somebody as simple as you. You couldn't handle all of me. And the way she expressed it was just uh, amazing. A ti te quede grande y por eso estás con una igualita como tú. Her way of telling him, that's why you had to take a few steps down and find somebody at your level. Because the level Shakira is at, too much for Gerard Pique. Now, this is the part where I feel Shakira started addressing certain rumors. While she remained quiet about the relationship and the rumors about the affair, certain details have come to light. Ni que me llores ni me suplique. First of all, I absolutely love the play on words. Suplique, Gerard Pique. I see what she did there. Just letting it be known to him that you had it, you lost it, you're done. Entendí que no es culpa mía que te critiquen. Because that is exactly what happened when the rumors of the infidelity began swirling. People went in on Gerard Pique. As they should. I mean, we are talking Shakira, whose hips don't lie. How do you have Shakira as your life partner and mess that up? This next part of the song, she's also directly referencing certain events in her life. 
that are pretty known at this point. While she was quiet about the breakup when it was announced last summer, the reason behind that was she had another situation that required her attention. She was being sued by the Spain Treasury for failure to pay taxes. They are alleging that she resided in Spain for six years or something like that. And they are trying to get her upwards towards the tune of $14 million. Currently, that court case is ongoing. I don't know a whole lot about it, but that is something she's been dealing with since her breakup. Shakira owns her mansion. She also selflessly, graciously purchased the home next door to her mansion so that Gerard Pique's parents could live. Can you imagine how awkward that must be post-breakup? In the song she sings, Me dejaste de vecina la suera, con la prensa en la puerta y la viuda en hacienda. She's saying, you left me with your mother as my neighbor, press banging at my door because everybody wants to be in my business and people coming after me for money. This next line right here is my favorite verse throughout the whole song. Te creíste que me riste y me volviste más dura? La mujeres ya no lloran, la mujeres facturan. Telling him, you thought you broke me, you thought you made me cry. Women don't cry, we get paid. And I love the sense of empowerment behind that lyric because that is exactly what we should do. Things in life are going to happen. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to get evicted. We're going to get our light cut off. We're going to get cheated on. We're going to get betrayed. But are we going to cry? No, no, we're not. We are going to keep moving forward and we are going to get paid. And throughout the custody proceedings, she did come out the winner, in my opinion. She returned back to Miami, which is her primary residence, with full custody of her boys. And that's the most important part is retaining custody of the children. And when she says, or when she's referencing getting paid, she's referring to that. She's not about to lose her boys. She still has her mansion in the United States in Miami. Meanwhile, Pique is stuck in Spain doing whatever he's doing now. Now, what I love about Shakira is she did not leave out the mistress. She addressed her as well, and she did it in such a classy way that I really admire. There is not a whole lot that is known about the mistress other than her name and her age. We know that her name is Clara Chia, and she began the affair with Gerard Piquet when she was 22. Tiene nombre de persona buena, claramente no es como suena. The context behind that lyric is, wow. Another lyric that stuck out to me was, Yo valgo por dos de veintidós. That is so significant. Not just because Clara Chia was 22 when the affair started. Although she is essentially saying that I'm worth double your little mistress. The number two is significant for, or was significant for Gerard Pique and Shakira. I don't know if this is well known, but they actually share the same birthday of February the 2nd. When Gerard Pique was still playing football, every time he would score a goal, he would hold up the do symbol with both of his hands, referencing their shared birthdays and his love for Shakira. So she kind of played on that too. Yo valgo más por dos de veintidós. 
Cambiaste un Ferrari por un Twingo. Cambiaste un Rolex por un Casio. Because that is absolutely the truth. Like, there is no upgrade after Shakira. Like, Gerard, you, again, you messed up. You had Shakira for your life partner. That is absolutely trading un Ferrari por un Twingo. Es como si vas a tener un Rolex y luego decidir venderlo y cambiarlo por un Casio. Like, why? Why would you do that? Not the smartest decision, my friend. Not the smartest decision. Since the song has been released, I have literally been listening to it on repeat every single day. I know my husband's tired of hearing it. My kids are tired of hearing it. But this song just speaks so much to me. The truth is, I know exactly why this song resonates with me so much. And it's because I've been through something similar. Cheating, infidelity, whatever you want to call it, is the most foul thing you could ever do to a person. I still don't understand why, not just men, but men and women. How do you tell somebody that you love them? How do you share an entire life with somebody and then one day just decide, meh, I'm over it. I'm going to find somebody else. If you are over it, if you are done with the person, why do you have to do the most disrespectful thing and cheat? Why not just be woman enough, man enough to say, this relationship is no longer serving me. I need to find my way out. That is something I don't think I will ever comprehend. And because I have been cheated on, I can't cut anybody any slack. Like there is no excuse in my book. My experience was also an extremely tricky situation. I had been in the relationship for seven years. I'm not going to share exactly what was going on at the time, or I'm not going to say why we were so connected at the time, because it'll be a dead giveaway as to who I'm referring to. And truth be told, I am not recording this podcast to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not here to throw dirt on anybody's name. This is my experience and I am sharing it in the hopes that somebody could learn from what I went through. But like I was saying, it had been seven years. I had given something very special to this relationship and I thought we were solid. Of course, we had problems. Like every couple, we had problems. Our relationship had started getting a little strange where this person was so attached to me he started pulling away and I felt it immediately and it was little things you know for example he always wanted me next to him when I would try to go into our bedroom just for a little alone time it was always what are you doing why are you going over there why don't you come sit with me and I would always oblige if he wanted me there I was going to be right there I noticed that that stopped happening where we would argue and he would always try to patch things up with me. He stopped doing that. He would say and do things to make me cry and he stopped apologizing. I knew that something was going wrong in the relationship. I didn't know what to do about it. I couldn't figure out how to fix it. I just remember walking on eggshells and hoping and praying that things would fix themselves. And I was so naive. I was so wrong because that's not the approach I should have taken. In retrospect, I would have called him out the second I knew that something was wrong. But I didn't. I found out about his infidelity out of pure woman's intuition. 
And it's the funniest thing because I had always heard that women intuition is scary. Women are spot on when it comes to this kind of thing. And I have to say that it's true. At the time I was a college student, I was taking online classes. And I remember it was a Saturday night. I was on my laptop. I was doing homework for school. Things weren't completely terrible at that point in time. It was still weird, but, you know, we were things were still vibing. So I remember thinking, oh, well, you know, maybe we're just going through a rough patch and we're getting over it and everything's going to be fine. But that Saturday night, I was in the middle of doing my homework and I got the strangest, strongest feeling I've ever felt in my life. I literally felt like every single cell in my body was screaming at me to check the phone records. I heard the voice clear in my head. I literally felt like my body, my whole body was telling me to check the phone records. And when I got that sensation, that feeling, that hunch, I didn't want to do it. I think looking back deep down, I knew that if I went to go and look, I was going to find something that I wasn't prepared to find. And I didn't want to go there. So at first I tried to fight the feeling. I ignored it. I kept trying to do my homework. A couple hours had passed. Finally, I said, you know what? I'm just going to look. I log into his phone account. I pull up the phone records. Specifically, I pulled up the text message log. And I see hundreds and hundreds of text messages between him and this one phone number. And my heart just dropped. I already knew, but now I needed details. So I started thinking, who in the world could this number belong to? I did an internet search. I Googled the number and nothing came up at first. I signed up for several of those yellow page websites where you could do a reverse lookup on the phone number, but I couldn't find anything conclusive. Then again, the hunch took over me and the voice in my head, every cell in my body was screaming at me to search for the number in Facebook. I go to Facebook. I put in her number in Facebook and a female popped up immediately. She was literally the first person that popped up after I entered her phone number. I clicked on her profile and the first thing I noticed was that her employment was the same place of employment as his was. I felt an instant sense of rage, hurt, I was out for blood. I immediately text her and asked her, why are you texting him so much? What's going on? Like the coward she was, she didn't answer me. I proceeded to call her. Again, taking the coward's way out, she wouldn't take my call. But what did she do? She ran to him and said, hey, I think your so-and-so is texting and calling me. He calls me angrier than I've ever heard him. And I remember I told him, no, you don't get to question me. Who in the mm is mm mm? And immediately, she's just a coworker. She's just a friend. She's just somebody I talk to. We just talk about work stuff. And I'm questioning him, why? And he was coming up with all sorts of excuses, which I wasn't satisfied with. So I said, you know what? I'm on my way. Tell her to be ready. I throw on shoes, put my hair up, earrings off. I get in my car. I'm headed to his work. 
And he calls me and threatens me that if I show up to his work, he would leave me and I would never hear from him again. At the time, I was still madly, passionately in love with him. And I could not, for the life of me, imagine my life without him in it. So the thought of him leaving me and never hearing from him again shook me to my core. It scared me so much that I backed down. I turned the car around and went home. I waited for him to get out of work. At the time, this person was working overnights. He gets home and we argue. We argue until the sun comes up. His whole argument was not about the fact that he had stepped out of the boundaries of our relationship. He flipped it and spun it around on me. How dare I invade his privacy? That was his concern. And what he threw at me was I simply had too much access to him. And he felt like a prisoner and I was the warden. I kept asking him why. Why was he talking to this female? Why was he texting her so much? And again, he flipped it and turned it around on me, telling me that we had been fighting so much that he felt like he got to a point to where we ran out of things to talk about. He couldn't talk to me anymore. And that he was questioning, why can't I talk to you, but I can talk to her so easily. And he's telling me these things. And my heart is just breaking. He also threw some other ridiculous reasons as to why he did what he did. Apparently, I wasn't cleaning enough. He was getting tired of having to do his own laundry on occasion. Like every single stupid reason he could come up with to put the blame on me, he threw it my way. Now, I had been cheated on before, but this particular time was the worst I had already given him seven years, seven years and something so special, and he chose to just crap all over it. I remember asking him if he was willing to stop talking to her, and I'll never forget, he got quiet for a minute, and he told me no. He said, in the event that our relationship didn't work out, he wanted to see where it would go with her. And again, my heart that was already broken in pieces, just completely shattered. Never in my life had I felt that kind of pain before. Never in my life had I ever felt so hurt and betrayed by somebody that I loved mind, body, and soul. I took all of his reasoning for cheating so personal. I remember looking at myself in the mirror and hating what I saw because what I was looking at in the mirror was no longer what he wanted. And I felt so guilty. I felt that it was my fault that the relationship work didn't work out because I was no longer what he wanted. I wish I could say that I was strong enough to leave. I wish I could say that I was smart enough to know that I deserved better but I was still so in love with him that I stayed and things did not get better initially. My remedy for the situation was to block him from being able to contact her. I went back to work a day later and 
I was so obsessed with knowing what he was doing when I wasn't around. I started going home during my lunch just to check on him. And one of the times that I had went home, I went home with the excuse of, oh, I need to do laundry. So I had went through the clothes in the wash, put them in the dryer. I came back to our apartment. I opened the door and I just quickly see him throw my phone on the sofa. And he was just very angry and quiet. And I asked him what was wrong. He didn't want to tell me. I left it alone. I had to go back to work. When I was driving back to work, I called him and I said, can you please tell me what's wrong? I know that something's wrong. And he has the audacity to ask me, did you block me from texting her? Him referring to his mistress. I didn't see a reason to lie about it. I told him, yes. I said, if our relationship needs to work, you need to stop communicating with her. And again, he threatened me. If I didn't unblock her, he would leave and I would never see him again. And like a complete fool and idiot, I fell for it and I stupidly unblocked her so that he could have a way to communicate with her. But at the time, he told me that he wasn't going to text her anymore, but he didn't think it was fair to be blocking people from contacting him. And it did make sense on a certain level. So I said, okay, you're right. I shouldn't be so crazy. I shouldn't be so obsessive. I shouldn't be doing this. I had also offered for him to change the password to his cell phone account, change the password to his bank accounts. One of the things he had accused me of was having too much access. So I made him change all the passwords so that I would not have access anymore and he would be free to do as he wanted. But a couple weeks later, I got the hunch again to check the phone records. So I check and sure enough, he went right back to texting and communicating with her. But I couldn't tell him that I went and snooped through the phone bill because I had given him my word that I wasn't going to do that. So I had to think. I made up this elaborate story that I had called the cell phone company and told them that I did not want access to be able to look up recently called or text numbers and that they had a feature where they could stop me from looking it up, but it took like a month to kick in. So in the month I would get alerts as to when anything was changed. So I made up this story that I got an alert that he was texting her as a precaution. And I told him all of this in such a calm voice Oh, and I'll never forget, he told me, it's easier to talk to you when you're calm. And again, he told me more lies. They're just friends. She's just a coworker. It's nothing. They're texting about work-related things. And again, I asked him to stop. And he said he would, but I was going to just have to accept that sometimes they would have to text regarding work-related things. And again, like an idiot, I fell for it. I wish it could say that it ends there, but it doesn't. Over the next few months, at the time, I believed, but then I discovered the truth. One of the things that was going on, he made up this story about another coworker who was a male, happened to be from Mexico, and he was living and working in the United States so that he could help support his mom and his brothers 
who were still living in Mexico. So he tells me that this person needed $300 and he was essentially asking my permission if he could give $300 to this person. Deep down, I knew what it was really for. So I said, okay, you can help him. When is he going to pay you back? He tells me next week. Next week rolls around. And I said, hey, did so-and-so pay you back? And he goes off on me, telling me that it's not my business, that it's his money, he could do whatever he wants. And he's telling me all of this. Meanwhile, I'm the one paying all the bills without any help from him. I continue to be a fool and feed into everything he was telling me. Then out of the blue, he starts buying lunch every single day for this person because he felt bad that he was having to work just to support his mom and brothers who were living in Mexico. So he felt like he was helping out this person by buying him lunch every day. And I did have a problem with it, but again, I stopped myself from questioning it, even though deep down I knew that something wasn't right about it. There were two instances that I vividly recall. One of them being that him and this male friend who's supporting his family in Mexico wanted Wingstop. They were not able to leave work because they only had a very short lunch period. So he had asked me if I could pick up the Wingstop and bring it to them. Of course, I jumped on it and said yes. I went, got their Wingstop, paid for it out of my money and took it to him. For him and this friend. Another time he tells me that him and the friend wanted burgers from Denny's and he was asking if I could go from Leon Valley all the way to Riddiman in 78 to take them Denny's. In order to get me to say yes, he tells me, why don't I meet you at Denny's and we'll eat dinner and then I'll just take him his food. And again, I'm like an idiot. Sure, let's let's do it. We meet at the Denny's, have a fairly cordial little little awkward dinner. And then he orders the extra food for this person. I pay for it. And he has this weird look on his face and he tries to give me money to pay for that food. And I said, no, babe, I got it. I'll pay for it. And I remember he looked at me strange, almost a little guilty, but I didn't question it. He goes off and... That was that. A couple weeks after that, he asked me if he could go out with that coworker who's supporting his family in Mexico and a couple other guys. They were going to have a guy's night out. And I remember I told him, I don't know how I feel about you going out, being that I just found out about what you've been doing behind my back. And he is like begging. He's pleading Please let me go. Please don't let this be an issue. It's just going to be a guy's night. After a little bit of time, I reluctantly agree. It was a Saturday night. He gets in the shower. I wash his clothes. I iron them so he can go out. He gets all dressed. He puts on cologne and he goes out. And I was going to try to go to sleep early because I didn't want to be thinking about him being out so recently after what I had discovered. But I couldn't let things go. One o'clock in the morning comes around and he's not home yet. So I text him. 
He doesn't answer. I call him. He doesn't answer. I wait a little bit, call him again. He doesn't answer. I text him again. He doesn't answer. Finally, I'm like, you know what? Something's not right. I start blowing him up. I'm calling him over and over and over and over again. And he's not answering any of my calls. Finally, it's almost three o'clock in the morning and he finally answers and he's upset. Why are you calling me? I told you I was going to be out with the guys and you're over here calling like a crazy person and you're making me look bad. And I'm like, well, why couldn't you answer if you're just with the guys? And he's like, that's disrespectful to expect me to be on the phone with you in front of the guys. I was taking this guy home. I wasn't going to be on the phone with you while I took him home. And I buy it. I say, okay, I'm choosing to believe you. He came home with McDonald's. We eat. We go to bed. That was that. Something that I'm leaving out in the story, when I initially found out about his mistress, one of the reasons why he told me not to worry about it was because she was in a lesbian relationship. And that was the reason why I needed to believe that there was nothing between them. Because he was obviously in a relationship and so was she. In the midst of all my mania, I was not about to let it go. I sure did reach out to the mistress's girlfriend. She never messaged me back, but the ramifications from me sending that message soon reared its ugly head. After he went out and he came home, I would say a couple days later, the mistress finally decides to grow a pair and she messages me. She sends me a selfie of herself and she tells me, ask your man what I was wearing the night we went out. Apparently it was a picture of her from the night that was supposed to be a guy's night. Apparently he had taken her out and she told me everything. Because she was not of the legal drinking age, they couldn't go to a bar. So she proceeds to tell me that he took her to a hookah bar or first they had went to Twin Peaks which is why to this day I will never set foot in the Twin Peaks. But apparently he took her to Twin Peaks. He bought her dinner. They couldn't have drinks because she's underage. So he took her to a hookah bar. Um, apparently he had picked her up in his car and dropped her off, which would explain why he wasn't answering any of my calls or my text messages because there was no guy's night. He wanted to take her out to make up for me reaching out to her and being crazy with her. He wanted to show her a night out and she proceeded to tell me all of this. And I asked her, like, why are you telling me this now? Well, I guess her girlfriend didn't get the message that I had sent right away. She had just discovered the message and because it caused a problem between them, now she was upset and she was going to cause a problem between me and him. So she proceeds to tell me, you know, the night you brought Wingstop, you brought it because I wanted it. The night you, you bought Denny's, you bought it because I wanted it. The $300, yeah, he gave it to me. And she is just telling me everything, how he was buying her lunch every single day, anything she wanted, how she had been in his car several times. And I knew she was telling the truth because she was describing everything in the car. There was no way I could call her a liar because she was telling me things that only she could only know if she was that close to him. Not only that, she proceeds to tell me details about 
her and her girlfriend's relationship because I wasn't about to believe anything this hoe was saying. I wasn't going to believe a word. But she starts telling me how apparently he knew everything about her girlfriend being a kidney transplant recipient and competing in the Special Olympics. Like she told me her whole story of her relationship that apparently she had also shared with him. So if I wanted to confirm if she was telling the truth, I could just ask him. I finally get up the courage to ask her exactly what went down between them. And she tells me she and him were simply not on the same page. He wanted a relationship with her. He even had went as far as telling her that he would leave me and the life we had built to go and be with her if she would have him. She wasn't that interested. Was she interested? Yes, she was interested in getting what she could get from him. She managed to get $300 and lunch bought for her every day. Yes, she was going to entertain him because she was getting something in return. He took her for a night out on the town. Yes, she was going to take advantage of that. Did she truly want a relationship with him? No, she didn't. She was just being a gold digger. It got to the point to where eventually she ends up getting fired from where they were working. Again, he tries to shoot his shot with her and he tried to convince her again for them to be together and he would leave me. She eventually ended up having to make up this lie about talking to another man so that he would leave her alone. Now, honestly, that just made me feel worse. Wow. You only chose to work it out with me because she didn't want you. There is nothing more soul crushing than that. Finding out all this information, I had to play my cards right. I couldn't just go off and start yelling and being crazy. I eventually calmly, and that's how you know that a woman is fighting angry when she is just able to be calm and have peace about the situation. I calmly tell him everything she had told me. And he denied everything. Denied to this day, he denies everything. He never took her out. He never bought her lunch. He never gave her money. He never did anything. He's going to deny, deny, deny till the day he dies. I believe the girl. I know the truth. And the truth hurts more than I can ever express. Eventually, actually, I, I'm going to stop right there because I really am trying not to reveal who the person is. I do want to have some sort of semblance of privacy, so I'm going to stop the cheating story right there. Now I want to move on to the topic of why. Why do people have to do the most unimaginable, most foul thing to somebody that they profess to love and care about? During that whole ordeal that I was going through, I'll never forget, I came across a meme on Facebook. And it said, betrayal never comes from an enemy. And unfortunately for me, that was the cold, hard truth. If somebody would have told me that this person would have stepped out on me, I would have laughed in their face. I would have said, nope, you got the wrong guy. He would never... I would never have believed in a million years that this person would have betrayed me in such a way. But never say never, right? I just don't understand. To this day, I don't understand why. I still question, what did I do 
that was so horrible that I would have deserved that? Was I that terrible of a person that your only option was to plunge a knife in my back? Was that truly what you felt I deserved after giving you so much? That was your way to repay me. So much changed for me after that whole ordeal. My grandma always had this saying. She would always say, I don't trust anybody, not even myself. I finally learned what that meant after that whole ordeal that I was put through. And do I want to say that I have trust issues? Not necessarily. Because my stance is more of that of my grandmother's. I don't trust anybody. I don't trust anything. I don't even trust myself. Because nothing is what it really seems to be. You can see things a certain way and believe that it's a certain way. And then the next day, the rug will get pulled out from under you. Since that time, I've lived my life on the defense and with my eyes open. I hate having to live that way. But I feel like I need to protect myself. I need to protect my heart. Because I couldn't trust this person to do that. So now I don't trust anybody to protect my heart. That doesn't make me a bad person or somebody that's jaded by love. Again, I just feel like my eyes have been so opened that I'm going to question everything. Because if nobody values me, if nobody is willing to protect the love that I have to give, I'm going to protect it. I'm going to watch my own back. Because the one thing that I learned throughout that whole ordeal, me, myself, and I, Beyonce said it best. That's all I got in the end. That's what I found out. I've gone through so much healing since that time. And it's funny because one of the things that will occasionally get thrown with thrown my way is you're insecure. You're insecure. Like, honey, no. Insecure, never. I'm very confident in myself. The one thing I did also learn out of that whole ordeal I don't need to worry about bringing anything to the table because I am the table and it is a privilege to have a seat at my table. Insecurity has nothing to do with it. Not falling for BS, not just immediately believing what anybody tells me, being smart, protecting myself. And those are things that I'm going to continue to do because you just never know when a person is going to switch up on you. You just never know what a person's true intentions are. Going back to the song that Shakira recorded with Bizarrap, my own experience is what made that song resonate to me. And I do feel the same way she expresses in the song. La mujeres ya no lloran, la mujeres facturan. Since that time, I've graduated with a college degree. I have a career. I definitely secure my own bag. I am not financially dependent on anybody. I make my own. I get my own. I'm always going to have my own. That is definitely part of my defense mechanism because I don't ever want to be at the position, in the position where I have to rely on anybody. Because again, you start to rely on somebody and then they decide to switch it up. I, I just can't go through that again. Betrayal has just taught me so many lessons and even though it was probably one of the worst lessons I've ever had to learn in life, maybe I'm a little glad I went through it. I wouldn't be as strong as I am today. I wouldn't be as independent as I am today. I wouldn't be as smart 
as I am today had I never gone through that experience. I had to learn that hard lesson. Now, to be perfectly transparent, this is the first time that I've actually talked about that ordeal. I've never spoken about it with anybody at in length. I kind of swallowed it and buried it. Hope to never revisit that painful time in my life. I'm sharing it now because I want my listeners to learn from my experience. Don't make the same mistakes I did. You don't have to accept when a man decides to betray you. You don't have to chew it and swallow it. You can choose to wipe your tears, secure the bag, and walk away. But if you are currently going through an infidelity, as hard as it is, you have to realize that you are worth so much more than the betrayal. You deserve to be front and center. You deserve to have 100% undivided attention. And should you address the mistress? That's an issue that is widely debated. Your issue isn't with her, it's with him. No, my issue is with her. Whether she knew about me or not, at some point you are gonna learn about me. And then what are you gonna do? Are you gonna continue? Because now we absolutely have a problem. I am all about the confrontation. If you didn't know about me, well, now you know about me, sis, so what's up? And yes, deal with him also. Nobody gets away scot-free in these kind of situations. You can confront within the realms of safety, of course. I don't recommend getting in your car and going to her place of employment to confront her. Maybe that was a little extreme, but I don't regret doing it. I wish I would have got the chance to confront her in that way. But in hindsight, the good Lord was looking out for me and he put me in the position to where I did not have access to her face to face. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of Positively Plus Size. This is your host, Melissa Torres, signing out until next time.